0: Good morning, church. Today we're continuing our sermon series, The Ten Commandments Today, How Ancient Laws Lead to a Flourishing Life. And today we're looking at the fifth commandment, obviously, honor your father and mother. Um, and I have to confess to you that I, I've had more trepidation about this topic than I have of almost any other topic I've preached about uh, for, for a variety of reasons, because they're Our relationship with our parents is very personal. Um, It can be very life-giving, but also it can be very harmful at times. And all of our experiences with our parents are very different. Uh, Some people have been mistreated and abused by their parents. Other people have had, on this side, really godly parents who have raised them in the faith. Yeah, Luke Broman, your parents are very godly. You have great parents. Many of us maybe find ourselves in the middle Your parents have many redeeming qualities, but also many flaws that you've come to recognize over the years. Uh, Many of us have different family experiences. Some of you are coming from a divorced home or a broken home or a a blended family of some kind. Some of you, you've lost one or both of your parents. Uh, Some of you are adopted or have adopted or are fostering in some some kind of way. Um, Some of you wish to be parents. Some of you aren't sure that you're cut out for parenting anymore. Some of you are going through your own issues with your parents, even right now. And add to all this that the task of honoring our parents changes throughout our lifetimes. Um, It's very different in childhood than it is in midlife and older. So I hope you can appreciate why this is a very difficult topic. And your job this morning is to discern how it applies to you and your family. All right, can we all agree on that? If, that, if you understand your job, can you say amen? amen? That's your job, to apply it. But whether you are a parent or not, or met, no matter your relationship with your own parents, my hope is that this sermon will be helpful to you in discerning God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life with your parents. And I do think it seems that more than ever, we're aware these days of the impact our parents have on our lives. You think about any issue, you, you, ask somebody, you talk to somebody about an issue you're dealing with and they'll, they'll say to you, well, what, what is it about your childhood that's causing this issue for you? I mean, we understand the impact of this and much of the societal breakdown that we see in the world, the, the poverty, the substance abuse, uh, mental health issues, economic issues, much of those things can be traced back to problems and breakdowns in the family. Um, so this is a critical, critical issue. Let's look at the actual commandment Deuteronomy 5:16 Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you Now Paul says this is the first commandment with a promise there, there is a uh, a command here for the whole well-being of the community all of society would benefit from people following this command And I think this is true, our our own experience, the the trained mental health professionals, the sociologists, they all point to one important truth, that the relationship between parents and children is a relationship with high capacity for both harm and for good. Perhaps no relationship impacts our lives and society more than this one. So we need to seriously talk about this topic. Uh, But the potential for misunderstanding is high uh, because of the different experiences we all have with our parents. And so I may may say things at times that might seem like contradictory information. But sometimes in the Proverbs, you know how like one proverb says this, but then a different proverb says that? And it's like the exact opposite thing. Well, that's wisdom, is applying the counsel of God to different situations, okay? So I want to be clear up front that we don't honor abuse and we don't honor abusers. No one is required to submit to abusive treatment or ungodly parents. If that's your situation, we hope and pray that you will find healing. We believe that healing is possible. I am grateful for the work of Shelly Hayes in our community. We offer amending the Soul every, every fall and every spring because we know that this is a reality for many people and we want people to find healing in Jesus' name. And I think one of the helpful things about the fifth commandment uh, is that it's phrased Positively. Honor your father and mother. It is, therefore, it is, it is open ended, and you must discern how to apply that in your life. You know, it's not, a, it's not a prohibition. You know, I think the Lord, in his wisdom, like some commandments are better just black and white, like, okay, don't commit adultery. Period. You don't really need to interpret that all that much. That's important that it's black and white. But the Lord, in his wisdom, made this an open commandment so that we would discern what it means for us. And everyone's relationship with their parents is different, so therefore how we apply it will look different, feel different, depending on that relationship. For some of you, that may mean more like putting into practice Jesus' command, like love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you from a distance. Um, For others, it will require much more than that. Another factor that is incredible but also adds another nuance to this is that through Jesus Christ, we have become the family of God together. And so among us, we have spiritual fathers and mothers in the church. Paul talked uh, himself about becoming a father in the faith to many, right? So the command to honor father and mother applies to the church as well. I like what Jen Wilkin wrote in her book. She says this, Because the church is the family of God, we need be at no loss for fathers and mothers to honor, nor need we be at loss for spiritual orphans to parent? If your family of origin was a painful one, the family of God can be a haven and a recompense. If your family of origin was a happy one, how much more so the family of God? So no matter where you are with your earthly parents, there are principles here that apply to all of us being the church. Go be the church, right? This applies to all of us. So we're going to talk about two main things this morning. We're going to talk about being honorable parents and honoring our parents. And I mean that both for your family but also for the church as well. So being honorable spiritual parents and honoring our spiritual parents in the church. So let's talk about being honorable parents. Uh, first of all, I think it's important to say that mother and father are honored equally in this commandment. I think significant in a society that was patriarchal in many ways. You know, but this goes back to creation. Adam and Eve were designed to rule together on God's behalf and steward all of creation for the flourishing of God's good world and the generations to come. And ideally, God designed us to grow up with a mother and father. And ultimately, that's the only way any of us come into existence. New human life comes from a mother and father. And that's the ideal way to raise children as well. The sociologist psychologists, they already know what, they have come to find out what God has already designed, that children need mother and father, and they thrive best in that context. Both genders are important. Can human beings grow up to thrive without this? Absolutely. We know many examples, many of you are examples of that, Uh, but they and we are overcomers. When children grow up without this, we often feel the pain of the fall. And thankfully, many people are able to rely on extended family or friends or even the church family to fill in the gaps. And let me tell you, it is huge when people step in as a mother and father figure in kids' lives. That is huge. And we, the church needs to be that. And each one of you, we hope that you will be some type of mother or father figure to some child, some other genera- the generations coming up in this church. We hope that for you, especially to stand in the gaps where there are gaps in the biological families of the families in our church. God's ideal, God's design is that children would come into the, into the world through a man and woman in the covenant of marriage. Now, that may sound really old-fashioned to you, but I would challenge you that there has never been a better system and no better system will ever be discovered than this one because this is the one God designed. But biologically, becoming a mother or father doesn't tell you anything about what a father and mother are supposed to do. What, what is mothering? What is fathering? What does God expect of parents? I mean, clearly parents need to keep the child alive. There has to be a, a well-being and the, and the sheltering and feeding and all, all those things, training, education. Those are not always given, but they are a basic requirement. Um, but I really want to talk about three things, uh, especially for Christian parents, to think about that we see in Scripture. And it's the responsibilities of modeling, training, and doing no harm. Modeling, training, and doing no harm. Those are the three most important things for Christian parents. The first and I think most important task of parenting is to become someone worthy of honor. To be someone honorable. To be someone worth imitating. It's been said that you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. I mean we all joke don't we about despite our befe- our best efforts we're becoming like our parents. Oh my goodness, right? Don't you see that more as you get older it's like oh my gosh, I'm becoming like my father or my mother. But that's true. Because uh, your character, what you value, what, what you prioritize, how you love your spouse, how you prioritize the church, how you spend money, what you buy or don't buy, how you give, what you're passionate about, what you speak about, what is the overflow of your heart, all of these things, your mannerisms, they get passed on just simply through osmosis. And that's going to be the biggest impact you make on generations to come is who you are, what they're picking up by the osmosis of your character. So parents, your own discipleship matters the most. How are you growing in the Lord yourself is your first and primary task. And I really think that this is especially true because the command to honor one's parents assumes that these parents have made a covenant to live by the other nine commandments and the rest of the commandments of God, right? This is God, the people have made a covenant with God to be God's people, to love and fear him above all things to follow all his commands and so on. And that's why it's important to talk about first what these parents have committed themselves to before we talk about what it means to honor them. So a parent should have no other gods before the Lord, no idols, no misusing his name. They honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. They, they are faithful to their spouse. They don't harm others. They don't covet other people's things. They don't steal. They don't lie, bear false witness. They speak the truth. In other words, they are honorable. They are the people of God. God wanted his people to flourish because remember, the, especially the context of Deuteronomy. The generation that uh, was at Sinai, they are passing away or have passed away. And the new generation, it's about to go into the promised land. And there's going to be all these nations that don't follow God in his ways. And there's the danger of the faith dying out in the next generation in the land. And so what does God do? He activates the parents, and he activates the community of God. Look at this in Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe. Again, observe, you practice it, in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. How? By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. So the most important thing is parents in this generation of the church as well would obey God, observe His commands, observe His statutes to be the people of God so that the children in the coming generations would learn to do the same. Why? Because they learn way more by what we do than by what we say. That's the biggest impact that we can make. So it's hard to train a child in a way that parents don't go themselves. But that training is also important. So we model, but we also train. Further on in Deuteronomy 6, it says this, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Or as Paul said in Ephesians 6, you are to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So, parents, our job is to is to train and talk to our kids about the Lord, to teach them God's word, to teach them uh, theology, to talk to them about our faith, why we follow Jesus, and to give them that solid foundation in Christ. So, we're to model for them, we're to train them, and finally, to the best of our ability, we do no harm. The Apostle Paul, I don't know if you, if you caught that, but he says, do not exasperate or do not provoke your children to anger. So you think about maybe, you know, um, parents who have, you know, too much uh, kind of a, you know, I'm not, I'm not even sure what I'm saying. But not, not by, <laughs> that happens to me sometimes, I'm sorry. But the ways that we might like overparent, or maybe we're too tough on our children or maybe our discipline is, is, is too much rooted in anger or we think about any ways that maybe we might cause them to anger later on in life by our conduct, by our character, and by the words that we say to them. We can really do damage with our words and we can really build them up with our words. And so we want our children to be glad that they got to have us as parents. Right, we want them to rejoice. That thank you, God, that you gave me these people, who were so loving and so god, so godly. Klein Snodgrass, he talks about some of the practical consequences of, of this instruction, and I'm just going to read these, and maybe a, a, a few of these will will apply to you. These are just some ideas to think about. Uh, number one, creating a, a context. We can. There we go. Creating a context of grace, love, support, respect, and encouragement. Always speaking the truth in love, attending to the material and emotional needs of children, teaching, enlightening, warning, holding accountable and disciplining, all as a part of life lived to Christ, giving them a theology, giving experiences, especially in work and caring for others, refusing to put down, demean or damage them, shrill and angry speech does not belong, rejecting jealousy and contempt, granting freedom within legitimate boundaries, avoiding unhealthy pressure or expectations, and refusing to live through the children. All of this takes time, communication, skill, discipline, and your own character in your relationship with God. Clearly, parenting is not for the faint of heart. I look at that list, I think, thank the Lord that he's gracious, his Holy Spirit is with me. I don't, I'm not doing this on my own. Um, but this, all of these things are critical to the well-being of the child, uh, and because of its impact, it's also critical to the future, to the future of the church, to the future of society, right? Martin Luther said this, if we wish to have excellent and able persons for both civil and church leadership, we must spare no diligence, time, or cost in teaching and educating our children so that they may serve God in our world. And that's why as a church at Dedications and Baptisms and Confirmations, we pledge to say we are going to help you. We are going to do this together. We're going to raise up the coming generations among us so that they can serve God and the world. And I don't know about you, but I am personally grateful to raise my kids in this church. Because so many of you, you you love children. You don't dismiss them. You get down on the level. You talk to them. You know them by name. We're so grateful for all the programs that we have for our children. My kids are learning things I didn't teach them. It's fantastic. And parents, we should take advantage of every, of every opportunity we have that our church is providing and profusely thank the volunteers who give up their time to do such a work because they are assisting us in one of our greatest tasks. Being honorable parents. Now let's shift to honoring our parents. As I said, our relationship with our parents are very diverse, Um, But the Bible has a lot to say about these diverse circumstances. And so to help us understand these scenarios, the Bible has different things to say. So again, sometimes I might say something that seems contradictory but try to apply it. Uh, But often people ask, um, what about parents who don't honor God? What about parents who aren't following God or His ways? Uh, And while no parent is perfect, certainly I am not, there are many who clearly are not honorable, who are clearly rejecting the ways of God. In fact, if this is the case, uh, actually the Bible says we're exempt from obedience and following our parents. That may seem extreme and contradictory, but the Lord says it. In Ezekiel 20, verse 18 through 19, this is God speaking, He said, I said to their children in the wilderness, do not follow the statutes of your parents, or keep their laws, or defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God, Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so ch- children, close your, if there's any kids in the room, just close your ears on this part. Uh, uh, if our parents, if, if, if their rules, if their vice, if their statutes, if their lifestyles, they are not godly, if they're not biblical, uh, the Lord says not to follow them or to follow their example, but to follow the Lord's decrees instead. Every Christian parent's ultimate aim is for our children to love and obey God, right? And so The obedience that we expect from young children is not simply because their obedience to us is right. It's because we want them to learn to obey God. And that development in the character of them learning obedience in the young years are going to help them learn to submit and obey God. And hopefully the things we're teaching our kids and telling our kids are in line with God's commands, his ideals, and the things that he wants them and us to do. All right, kids, you can open your ears for this part. I want to talk about some different stages. When you're young, when you're a child, especially Ephesians six one, it was read: "Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right." As your parents are raising you and teaching you godly wisdom, we do obey them. We do honor them. That's important. I want you to think about the high high school, college, emerging adults. Uh, what you what do you do with honoring your parents? You can do many things, but let me give you, let me give you one thing to think about. I want to encourage you to put into practice what you've been taught. Put into into practice the godly instruction, the things your Sunday school teachers taught you, the the things that you learned at church. This is the time to put it into practice. Look at what Proverbs 23 says. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who begets a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. It delights parents to the uttermost when our children become honorable and righteous people themselves. When you put into practice the good things that you were taught, whether by your parents or by your spiritual parents at church. The Apostle John wrote, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth," and all the parents said, amen. "Amen." We honor our parents in the home and in the church by becoming honorable people who love God, who love others. So, give your parents joy by the type of life you live, by becoming an honorable person. Thus, you repay them for their the years of their investment in their teaching and instruction. Now when you get to your your 20s and 30s and so on, you begin to learn to relate to your parents as adults. If you become a parent yourself, you're beginning to see them as, as maybe a fellow parent and you begin to realize that your parents are fellow human beings like you. And they have good qualities and they also, you begin to see maybe some of their flaws. And I think it's important at this stage is to do two things to learn from their mistakes and to be grateful for the good. you got to learn from the past and you got to be grateful for the good things you were taught. Martin Luther says, no one considers how God nourishes, protects, and defends us and how he bestows so much good on body and soul. And then when an evil t- time comes, we grow angry, we grumble with impatience, and all the good that we have received throughout our life is wiped out of our memory. And we act the same way toward our parents. And there is no child that understands and considers what the parents have endured while nourishing them and fostering them unless the Holy Spirit grants them this grace. Sometimes it can be overwhelming to realize that your parents had major flaws, maybe major sins, major gaps. uh, And it can be tempting to just say, well, they were in general really bad people. and And some of them were. I'm not talking about that category but it's important to acknowledge the good as well and be grateful for the good things you did have, the good things you did learn. To learn from the flaws and be grateful, and thus you honor your parents. When you get to midlife and beyond, the most important thing that you can do to honor your parents is to care for your aging parents. That is the number one thing every Christian should be thinking about in, this, in regards to this commandment. In fact, most scholars think that this was the original intention of this commandment because the addressees were the adult males in charge of caring for the family. Now, it went, eventually went to the whole people of God, right? But in some, in some respects, if you want long life in the land, if the parents have any hope of long life, who's going to provide that? Their kids. There's no social security. There's no Windsor Park. There's no, there's no assisted living. The assisted living was the assistance of your kids. That was the assisted living. And so this was, this was essential to living this command. In fact, one of the J- Jewish wisdom traditions in the Apocrypha, Ben Sirah, says this, "'My child, help your father in his old age, and do not grieve him as long as he lives, even if his mind fails.'" Be patient with him. Do not despise him because you have all your faculties. This was written before the time of Jesus. They didn't have words for Alzheimer's. They didn't have words like dementia. But they knew of their parents losing their faculties in the difficulty that that is and the hardship that that is. And it can be tempting to say, you know what, this is too much for me. I don't want to deal with this. I can't deal with this. This is, this, is, this is annoying. This is angry. This angers me. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. But the wisdom of the Jewish tradition says, do not despise them. Care for them as long as they live. Even if the mind fails, be patient. This was a concern for the New Testament church as well. First Timothy, Paul writes, and I love, look at the family language of this. This goes back to the church being the family, right? Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Now, for Paul, what he's saying is that the church is going to take care of the elderly widows in the congregation, the spiritual fathers and mothers of the church. But then he says this, If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. I can't imagine. What that's, I mean, Paul says some harsh things, but that's, that's, that's pretty rough. But this is a critical Moral issue: How you take care of and provide for your aging parents is very important to God. And just and just like with the children, the ideal is that this would take place within the family, with the children and the grandchildren. um, But the church steps in where there are gaps, and the church must step in where there where there are gaps. Um, So, as a church, we need to make sure we're taking care of the spiritual fathers and mothers, our aging members. Our Windsor Park folk, we love you. We want to take care of you. You're our family. Where there are gaps, we're here for you. That's important to us. The biblical example, probably the best biblical example of this is Ruth. Right? Where she her husband has died, Naomi's husband has died, and she leaves her land in Moab to be by Naomi's side no matter what. And she provides all that is needed. She works in the harvest fields and she takes care of her mother-in-law, showing that this command also implies to our in-law relationships as well. We also want to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Do you remember this? This is so beautiful. In Jesus' dying moment, when he is giving his life, when he has almost no energy left, when he's literally dying, he sees his mother there And the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he says to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Even while Jesus Christ was dying, he took care of his own mother and made sure that she got the support and care that she needed. So we honor our parents by taking care of them however we can for their whole life long, whether that means food or finances or facilities. It's also in how we handle their funeral, how we, how the burial, their estate and so on. It's also in how we talk about them after they have passed. That can be a way of honoring them as well. So our whole life long, we are to honor our parents. It will look different depending on your relationship, depending on your circumstances, depending on the life stage you're currently at right now, your experience is different than anyone else's. So discern. If you are a parent, are you modeling godly character to your children? Are you teaching them? Are you training them in the Lord? Are you taking care of their well-being and protecting them from harm? I'd like to ask you as well, how are you honoring your parents? Are you giving them happiness by being an honorable person? Are you learning to appreciate the good that they did do for you and learning from their mistakes? Are you caring for your aging parents well? Are any apologies in order? Does any reconciliation need to happen? Is your speech honoring to them? How about in the church? Do you consider yourself a spiritual father or mother to anyone? If not, why not? You should be thinking about that. Who can you be a mother or father figure to, especially to those who need it? And, or conversely, maybe there's a spiritual father, mother in the church that you need to think about being, being a grandchild figure to or a, or a son or daughter figure to to adopt some of our older folks and say, we're going to take care of you. Who might you honor as a spiritual parent or grandparent in the church? I'm going to close with this. This is in the, the, the prophet Malachi This is the last book of the Old Testament before we get to Matthew. And the Lord says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. I think we need a great revival. A great revival of hearts of parents tuning in to their children and children tuning in to their parents both in the home and in the church. And wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to see progress made and healing and redemption happen in those relationships. Again, in the home and in the church. So may God give us the grace to see relationships between parents and kids healed, improved, and honored to happen. And may God give us the grace to see generations connected in the church like an extended family so that the coming generations can see the goodness and love of God who is our good, good Father.